you want to find Colossians chapter 4, while you're finding Colossians 4, do you remember when all you had to worry about was hearing your dad call you for supper? Anybody remember that? Life was so much simpler. When I was a kid, we used to play all over the neighborhood, and when it was supper time, my dad would come out on the porch and he would whistle like this. Yep. You could hear it all over the neighborhood, and when you heard dad whistle, you came home and you had supper, and that was the only thing that you had to worry about. Life was so simple. And then you grow up, and you deal with budgets and bills and bosses, right? And life just isn't so simple anymore, and sometimes we long for the days when it was simple. Have you ever heard of the KISS principle, keep it simple, silly? (laughs) That's a little nicer than the original version, but keep it simple, silly. Don't overcomplicate things. We tend to overcomplicate and overthink the Christian life, especially the part about sharing Jesus with others. We overthink that. We overcomplicate it. We make it so complex and so difficult that it's unachievable. And we think, I could never do that. And then we don't. And most Christians never share their faith with anyone because we overcomplicate it. And I think uh, the, the, the point of the message this morning is to keep it simple. It's to remember the KISS principle. We're going to be in Colossians chapter four and as I was preparing for this message, I, I felt drawn to this particular passage and I was reading it through and I, I didn't really wanna use it. I, I felt like it was the, the right text but I said, uh, God, this is too simple And immediately the thought came, isn't that the point? (laughs) Keep it simple. Let's not overcomplicate it here. So in this passage, uh, this, this is a letter. Colossians is a letter. The Apostle Paul wrote this letter under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to Christians living in the ancient city of Colossae. And at the end of his letter, he reminds them to keep it simple by giving them two very simple and clear instructions for how to live as Christians and impact others with the gospel. Uh, Now, before we look at them, let me make the point. Simple does not mean easy. Those are not necessarily synonymous terms. Simple means uncomplicated. But just because something is simple does not mean that it's easy. It will take work and it will take discipline to do. But It's not complicated. Let's keep it simple. As we're living the Christian life, as we're thinking about how we can share Christ with others through hospitality, let's not overcomplicate it. Let's keep it simple. So Paul gives us two important instructions in Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 through 6. Here's what he writes. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful, and pray for us too that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders, making the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. In these verses, Paul gives us two instructions for keeping it simple. The first one is devote yourself to prayer. Keep it simple. Don't overcomplicate it. Devote yourself to prayer. That's what he says, verse 2, devote yourselves to prayer. In other words, keep on praying, committed to prayer. Prayer is the most important, the most basic, 
and the most foundational thing you can do as a Christian. Of all the spiritual practices that you could practice, prayer is the most important. It is the most important thing you can do as a Christian. Now, it's easy for me as a pastor to stand up and tell you that you ought to pray. But some people don't know how to pray. And the Apostle Paul took that into account. In his letter, he says, devote yourselves to prayer, but then he tells us how to pray. He, he gives us three, three pointers. He says, be watchful. Pray watchful prayers. Now, what does that mean? Well, that means that you are watching out for the people around you in your life, the people in your home, the people in your neighborhood, the people in your workplace or in your classroom. You're watching out for them. What are they going through in life? What are they celebrating? What are they struggling with? What's happening in their lives? You're watching out for them and you're lifting them up in prayer. You're being watchful in your prayers. Now, sometimes we like to pray for people so that we can tell them, I'm praying for you as a way of encouraging them. Because it's super encouraging when you're dealing with something tough and somebody sends you a message and says, hey, I'm praying for you. And that's great. We should do that. But I want to challenge you sometimes to pray for somebody without telling them. Because we don't just pray for people so that we can encourage them. We pray for people because we believe that God's actually going to do something with our prayers. I'm not just praying for you so that you know I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you because God is listening. And whatever God is going to do, he's going to do, right? So encourage people, do all that. But sometimes be watchful in your prayers as though you believe that your prayers actually make a difference. Another way Paul tells us to pray is to be thankful. Now, nobody needs an explanation of what it means to be thankful, (laughs) right? But somebody once asked me, if you woke up tomorrow and only had the things that you thanked God for today, what would you have left? That was a good word, right? So we should be thankful. We should be watchful. We should be thankful. And the third way that Paul tells us to pray is missional prayers. Look at verses three and four. Paul says, and pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Now, Paul is saying, don't just pray for the needs of those around you and don't just pray thankful prayers. Pray that the mission of Christ will go forward. Pray that the gospel message will be proclaimed. The interesting thing about this is Paul is writing this in prison. He's in chains. And he doesn't say, pray that the judge will give me a favorable sentence. Pray that my prison sentence will be shortened. Pray that I will get through this. Pray that God will protect me while I'm in prison. Pray that God will give me the strength to endure prison with my sanity intact. He doesn't say any of those things. He's writing this from prison. And instead of asking for prayers to get out of jail, he says, no, 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 pray that God will open a door for the message. And then one of the greatest preachers the world has ever known says, oh, and by the way, would you pray for me that I could preach it clearly? This is a guy that has seen thousands of people come to faith through his preaching, planted hundreds of churches, and he says, I need help to preach clearly. He's asking God for opportunities to share the gospel and wisdom to speak it clearly. Now, how many times do we pray that prayer? 
Yes, we come to God and we lift up the requests of those people that are in need, but how many times do we say, God, give me an opportunity to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with somebody and give me the words to speak clearly? I don't know how often we pray that way. The success of a church is directly correlated to the prayers of its people. Anything that a church succeeds at doing, it succeeds because people were praying. Last month, we baptized 16 people. Not a single one of them got baptized because of my good preaching. They all got baptized because somebody somewhere was praying. That's why they got baptized. Anything that happens that, that, that is advancing the gospel, it's not happening because the teaching is great or the programs are good or the music is great. It's happening because people are on their knees before God, lifting up his mission, praying for his church, praying for the gospel to be advanced. That's what makes it work. That's what success does. Prayer is the most significant thing we can do together as a church. It is the most significant thing. Prayer does not help the ministry of the church. Prayer is the ministry of the church. So we need to be praying. We need to be on our knees and lifting up one another and lifting up the mission of the the church to proclaim the gospel and make disciples. Paul says, don't overcomplicate this. If if you want to make a difference for Christ, devote yourselves to prayer. Don't make it more complex than that. Now, how do we do that? I want these messages to be practical. Uh, I want to put some practical steps in your hands. So uh, how do we do that? How do we devote ourselves to prayer? In September, I asked the congregation to take about five minutes during a worship service and pray and ask the Lord, how can we as a church impact our community? And then I said, whatever it is that you are uh, thinking and hearing when you're listening to the Lord, I want you to text me. And I got a whole bunch of text messages. And so I wanted to share a couple of them with you this morning because I think they're really applicable to this topic. The first one is this. Writing and texting our specific prayers for people. Not just I'll pray for you, but what we're praying exactly. Then sharing a Bible verse or something about Jesus to back up the prayer. God did this here and I know he's doing this for you. What that person was texting me is this. It's great when somebody is going through something difficult to say or to text them, hey, I'll pray for you. But you know what's even better? To text them a prayer. It could just be a couple of sentences, but text them an actual prayer. And that is a way that not only have you stopped and prayed for them in that moment, but then they can come back to that text and they can pray that prayer for themselves over and over and over again. It's a way of devoting ourselves to prayer. One simple little change. Stop and pray for them right there. Uh, Here's another text from that service in September. I think I heard practice with your church family. Love each other and share with each other how we follow Christ. I think that's spot on. If you want to develop a habit of prayer and being devoted to prayer, the best way to do that is to start praying with other people. Do it together. Practice it together. I meet every week with a group of guys early in the morning for prayer. And I can tell you, when I am in that season meeting with those guys, I am praying more consistently because I'm meeting with them every week and praying. And then I'm praying more consistently on my own throughout the week. I don't know why my brain's like that. But when I'm meeting with guys weekly, I end up praying more all all during the week. And, And if you want to begin to develop a habit of prayer, the best way to do that is to do it together. 
Get with two or three people and just pray. So don't overcomplicate it. Keep it simple. Number one, devote yourself to prayer. Number two, keep it simple. Be wise toward outsiders. If we want to impact the the community for the gospel, if we want to impact others with the message of Christ, we need to keep it simple and just be wise toward outsiders or walk in wisdom toward unbelievers. Here's how Paul said it in verse 5. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Now, what does that mean? Well, he goes on to explain. He says, make the most of every opportunity. Every opportunity, make the most of it. Don't waste any opportunity. How do you do that? Well, be intentional. As Ben said earlier, the difference between hospitality and Christian hospitality is Christ. Be intentional. It's great to go out on the golf course with some buddies and play, but if you're not intentional about Christ, it's a wasted opportunity, right? So make the most of every opportunity. Be intentional. And another way you can make the most of every opportunity is to be a Christian, you say, well, what do you mean I am a Christian? Yeah, but, but be a Christian in front of your unbelieving friends. Instead of rushing right in to telling them who Jesus is, show them who Jesus is. Just be a Christian in front of them. Don't be embarrassed to be a Christian. Don't be embarrassed to say a prayer. Don't be embarrassed to, to whatever. Like, be a Christian. You don't have to be aggressive. You don't have to be awkward. But you don't have to be ashamed either. We have nothing to be ashamed about for being Christians. So just be intentional, be a Christian, show them what the love of Christ looks like first, and then be ready. Because if you're praying consistently for opportunities to share Christ with others, and you're intentional with your time, and you are living your Christian faith in front of them, you will have opportunities to tell them about Jesus. I promise you, you will. If you're praying and asking God and you're intentional with your time, he will answer your prayer and he will give you opportunities to tell other people about Jesus. Uh, That could look like a question, the prompting of the Holy Spirit. What is that prompting? I can't really explain it. You'll just know it when it happens. He will give you that opportunity and you should be ready to tell them about Christ. Now, that doesn't mean you have to be ready to preach a sermon It just means that you have to simply be ready to tell them, here's why I'm a Christian. Yeah, I'm a Christian, here's why. And explain it to them. So be intentional, be ready, and be a Christian. Be wise toward outsiders by making the most of every opportunity. Next, be wise toward outsiders by letting your conversation be always full of grace. That's what he says, seasoned with salt so that you may know how to answer everyone. (laughs) I love the way Paul says that. Let your conversation be seasoned with salt. Are your words seasoned or salty? Because if you put too much salt, it ruins the dish, right? Uh, So think about that. Is my conversation, is my speech seasoned or is it salty? That mouth that you use to praise God, what else do you use it for? What other kinds of words come out of it, right? Is your speech seasoned or salty? I think it is in the book of James where it says, salt water and fresh water cannot both flow from the same spring. Neither can praises come from your mouth on Sunday and curses come from your mouth on Monday. That's not, that's not how it's supposed to be, right? We're supposed to be seasoned 
with salt, but not salty. Now, I love this analogy. Um, it's a cooking analogy. And I like to cook. Uh, I don't talk about that a whole lot, but I, I used to work in a restaurant at, back in college, and I did some cooking, and I, I enjoy cooking. It's a lot of fun. I like to try new recipes from time to time. When you're cooking, salt is one of the most important seasonings that you can use. If you use too much, it ruins the dish. It overpowers all of the other flavors. But used in the right way, the purpose of salt is to bring out the flavors of whatever you're cooking. It brings out the best in the flavors of the meal that you're cooking. Jesus is like that because he always brings out the best in us. And so what Paul is telling us to do is, look, let your speech, when you're in a conversation, use your words to add the flavor of Christ to the conversation and bring the best out of the other people. Use your words to bring the best out of the people who are in that conversation. And if we do that, we will be different because here's what happens typically. People love to talk about themselves, all about themselves, all about me, 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 me. And we don't bring the best out of others because they're so focused on self. I had a friend in college, his name was Scott Spear. Everybody loved Scott. Every, I, don't, I don't think, I never met anybody that didn't like Scott. And do you know why? Because he made the most of every opportunity to bring the best out of others. Scott never, I never remember a conversation that Scott made all about himself, ever. Somehow he would take the conversation and turn it to other people. When you had a conversation with Scott, you left feeling like you were somebody important, feeling like you were somebody who was valued and cared for because Scott had this way of bringing out the best in you by not making the conversation all about himself. And Scott was not shy about telling people about Jesus. He talked about Christ all the time. And you know what? People listened. Do you know why? Because they just liked him so darn much. I think half the reason why unbelievers don't want to listen to Christians talk about Jesus is because they don't like us. And maybe part of the reason why is because sometimes we're not very likable. We're salty instead of seasoned. And we need to be seasoned. We need to turn the conversation to others and bringing out the best in them and bringing the flavor of God's love and the grace we see in Jesus into the conversations. Paul is giving us these instructions for how to live as a Christian and how to make a difference for Christ. And he says, if you want to do those things, keep it simple. Here's the summary of the sermon. Keep it simple. Devote yourself to prayer and be wise toward outsiders by making the most of every opportunity and letting your conversation be always full of grace. I'm gonna invite the worship team to come back up. We're going to sing in response to God's word. And as they're coming, let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for these words that were written 2,000 years ago under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and then preserved throughout two millennia for us so that we could read them today and have your spirit speak to us all over again. And Lord, as, as we reflect on your words here, would you convict us for the times when we overcomplicate, when we make it so difficult and so hard that we have an excuse not to share Jesus with somebody? 
Would you stir in our heart's desire to pray, to be devoted in prayer, to pray together? And would you bring to our minds the faces of people who are not believers yet? They don't know you, but they do know us. And so I pray the Apostle Paul's prayer that you would open the door of opportunity for everybody in this church family, that you would open the door of opportunity to proclaim the mystery of Christ, the message of the good news that God saves sinners through Jesus Christ. And then as we have that opportunity, you would give us the wisdom and the, and the words to say, to speak the message of Christ clearly. And I pray that you would bring people from death to everlasting life through the witness of this congregation. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen.